Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 205. Glad you could join us. Uh, Bait unfortunately could not make it today, but we do still have some good discussions to, to do. So let's get started with introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I am Soraya Zell, and uh, everyone has ruined Infinity War for me already. I, I haven't seen it. But, but it's 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 nearly impossible to not know like way too much. I probably won't see it till like next week. I actually have avoided spoilers, and I will murder anyone who who does that for me. Word. <laughs> All right, Jay, you're up. Yeah, hey, I'm Jason. I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomast, and uh, I did successfully uh, fight off all the spoiler monsters on Infinity Wars. I still saw it this weekend, but uh, I was very meticulous about that. Uh, I, I, you know, you generally have a good idea what's going to happen when you go in, but it, it was pretty good uh, going in cold. And I'm, I'm absolutely, uh, I'm almost complete with God of War, and I am fighting very hard uh, to to save that one. Like for the, I'm like literally into the like the final act, like the final little bit of the mission or of the uh, of the adventure. It, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. So uh, I am studiously avoiding avoiding any God of War uh, uh, sort of like articles on the interwebs right now. But uh, I've I've got quite a bit of gameplay into it now, probably approaching twenty five hours or so. Yeah, I think we got. Uh, I want to say like four, four or five hours in. So not not too deep because the the amount of time you have to record gameplay with a toddler is basically from when the toddler goes to sleep to when you go to sleep, which is oh yeah, like. 30 seconds so we've been a little limited but we're working on it but yeah it's tough to avoid those spoilers man like i'm looking through just the news feed today looking for stuff to talk about and it's like ah no 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 quick keep scrolling don't look at that whatever that is yeah um, i want to say by th- like mid- middle of thursday somebody had already posted on one of the social networks i had in a way that i'm like that that is way too much information to not have like i, I in Particularly, this is on Mastodon, which actually has like a spoiler tag. They call it a content warning um, feature, like built right into the network, and they didn't use it. And I was just like, gosh dang it. I, I have a, a particular level of disdain for people that feel the need to spoil things with thumbnails on YouTube, either in the image or in the oh, title. Oh, yeah. I hate yeah. those people with a passion because they're just assholes so, for no reason. Yeah, well, so I'm, like I said, I don't know how, how I've been able to do it, but I've been very, very successful at, like, not looking for anything that will trigger a spoiler for something like this. <laughs> I, I also, uh, I sent an angry message to uh, Sci-Fi Channel the other day um, because they're ruining shows. If you end up like, if you end up like a week behind on a Sci-Fi related show, the headlines of the Sci-Fi blog, which is in my RSS reader, will probably ruin them for you anyways. Um, they did one that was like... Um, I'm going to try and censor this as much as I can, but not that anyone cares at this point, probably. But it was like, um, you know, about that shocking death in the show. And then a couple days later, will what happened to character name stick? And it's like, all right, so you tried, but between those two headlines, you didn't do a very good job, did you? <laughs> 
yeah it's it, it turns youtube into like a minefield of like i have to be very specific in what i'm searching for and don't ever scroll down on the front page because it will probably ruin whatever i'm trying to enjoy um if i just go anywhere because you know like i'll like have like watched something like two weeks prior and then of course youtube's like oh so you want to know literally everything about this one topic so i'm going to show you every spoiler in the suggested list it's it's horrible I hate people like that. Well, so there's a part of me that that says secretly that uh, that movie corporations may be behind this and like in this sort of, you know, kind of Project Blue Book, Majestic 12 kind of way, because what it drives you to do is go see the movie as early as possible, which then drives their their opening weekend numbers up. <laughs> oh, man, that's <laughs> and for the record, Marvel Infinity Wars is balling right now like what, they they, what they had? uh i just pulled it up a while, a while ago about seven hours ago let me see seven hours ago they are on track to top the star wars opening weekend with uh 250 million domestic and 630 worldwide jesus That's see insane. my challenge is that uh i want to see it in imax 3d and uh, the reasonable showtime in the evening for our IMAX theater is 2D only now. They've decided that the the only evening 3D showing that they're going to do on IMAX is like the the like starts at 11 p.m. showing. So if I don't if I can't fit it in opening weekend, it's now next weekend because I can't do it during the you know I can't have a now, movie that ends at one something a.m. in the middle of the the week. Now I gotta ask you though is is the 3D a deal breaker? Because I saw it in 3D. Um, it, it's not – I mean that's not like must-see TV. Now, I was in like a, a really, really nice, very high-end theater. The IMAX thing I get, but like is 3D actually a deal-breaker deal for you though? I prefer it if it's available. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah, I usually avoid it just because I'm. it doesn't add that much to me. And I'm like, I don't really want to spend even more on this kind of overpriced film. So I, I just stick with uh, standard unless it's something big like I went like Avengers Infinity War. Well, no, no, I don't do 3D, <laughs> but I'll do like I mean, you don't I'll, like uh, choosing between pay and rent and going to the movies. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but like, like uh, Rogue One, I went and saw like in the Dolby Digital, so it's got like the better speakers yep. and all that. Like that, that was that was worth it because like the room shakes when you know the Star Destroyer blows up, and you're like, hell yeah. But most films, I'm like, yeah, I'll just go and and do it's still 2D all the time, but I'll just do normal normal stuff usually. Yeah, I just I, I don't find that it adds that much. Uh, I actually get more out of the um, the super high end sound and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. with a really, really good screen just in terms of like general movie enjoyment. But yeah, I mean, that being said, there was a couple, there's a couple points where the 3d does add a it definitely adds a little bit to like a, you know, comic book action movie like this. It, it definitely, it's not something as overt as, you know, like the, you know, the, the eye poke into the screen, making everybody like, you know, duck and stuff like, oh, you, like you see like in the back in the fifties, but it's, uh, it was not bad, but generally, no matter what, going back to the, my, my original point, this movie is is balling right now in terms of uh, the cash it's making. So I I don't know what they call I don't know what cost them to put the movie out and all the all the different you know marketing and X Y and Z, but they're they're probably where they want to be right now. I suspect. 
Good stuff. Yeah, we'll get your thoughts on that spoiler free, of course, in a little bit here. But uh, I am Pokey Draven. I obviously help the show here and I do Dungeon Crawl with Livy, who will probably be joining us uh, more sooner than later. Um, I've been kind of hijacking her her microphone setup lately, but uh, we'll get her more involved uh, moving forward here. Oh, we were still in intros. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Super dear. No, it's fine, man. Um, yeah, and we're actually doing... Uh, god of war for the dungeon crawl series right now so we'll have the gameplay up like i said we've got like four or five hours something like that recorded i'm looking to kind of start revamping our our structure for the videos get those out uh pretty soon here so i I have many questions for you on your initial impressions of god of war (laughs) no that's fine yeah like I'm, i'm i'm into a certain point i won't say where i'm at to avoid spoilers but um it's I've easier got, if you tell me where you're at, then I know not to spoil anything. <laughs> um, so, well, well, we'll talk about when we get to that part of the show, but uh, I'll, I'll give you a, you'll know what I'm talking about and I can speak very vaguely. Okay, so, um, introductions done. So, movies real quick. So, Venom got a trailer. I'm going to hold my thoughts on this one. What did you guys think of this trailer for the Venom movie? It it, it has Venom in it. That's that's, that's a distinctly that's a noteworthy arguable point. Arguable improvement. Um, <laughs> what would you think overall, though? I don't know. It could be interesting. We'll see. I it it's I, it's definitely not like something that I'm on the the highlight of excitement for. Um, but uh, you know, it looks okay. What about you, Jay? Uh, I I was kind of stoked about Tom Hardy being in the Marvel Universe, but he's not really in the Marvel Universe. He's in the Sony Universe. Um, he He's a good choice to play Venom if they were going to do the Flash Thompson version of Venom, a.k.a. Agent Venom. Uh, I don't really know what they're going for in this one. Uh, I do know that un- until they released this trailer, the one that they had that like the short trailer they they had uh, put out first, I couldn't have told you it was a Venom movie. I, I would have had no idea what that movie was about. Um, this one, I-, I think they just needed to put in something that was Venomy, just so that people would like stop saying, "Well, we can't even tell it's a Venom movie." I I don't know. I'm. I hope it's good, or I hope it's okay, just because I I really like Tom Hardy, and I think he would be wasted in this movie if this goes I, I think he's wasted in all Marvel properties now if this goes poorly <laughs> yeah I was kind of watching this going uh, this seems kind of like it's trying really hard and it doesn't look particularly good what do you think of the whole reveal at the end when you see the CGI Venom come out that looks a little ta- uh, it looks a little tacky how they, how they I think that. I think Topher Grace's Venom in the Spider-Man movie was a little better. Yeah, I, I had this like instant you know flashback of like the Wolverine Origins movie with how bad that CGI was. I was like, oh god, like this. It looks like a cartoon, and it, it was meant to be this kind of badass reveal. And I was just kind of cringing. Like that looks actually kind of awful for what we're used to seeing these days. I mean, compared to like Infinity War and the CG that they've got going on there, it's like I uh, this budget is significantly lower, and that's kind of kind of concerning when a large part of I imagine a Venom movie involves a CGI Venom, and if it's going to look like that the whole time. It, yeah. Honestly, given his lack, the lack of venom in the earlier trailers, and the fact, like, 
it, like this trailer has a lot of scenes where like um tom hardy's like shooting out like tendrils of of venom but not really becoming venom like wholesale i could almost see this being a movie that's like that you see like there's this there's you know a thing where he like flies off his motorcycle and then grabs and pulls himself back onto it i could almost see them doing most of the movie that way and then this being like one of the late moment things where he fully becomes venom or something yeah i, I think you you're probably right i, I suspect yeah. that that's what they're going for because there's so much Tom Hardy, so very little Venom, and the full effect Venom, not exactly knocking it out of the park. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. This one definitely kind of falls in my, I think, been a pass on it list unless someone comes out and is like, no, no, man, like, you're totally wrong. It's it's amazing. It just, it's not, it didn't really grab me and say, oh, I want to see that. So I think I'll probably pass on this one unless I'm told to do otherwise. What do you guys think? Think you're going to go check it out when it comes out? I, I'm going to stand here and tell you, I saw the Fantastic Four movie in theaters. I'm not That's expecting true. it. You have a it, sickness. I promise. I this is. I will promise you this. I will promise that this movie will not be worse than the Fantastic Four movie. I believe you. I, I'm, I'm on board. That's probably like, true. Actually, I'm, ba- I'm on board based on that. I know I'm talking about a very low bar to clear, but I, I, I'm very confident that it will clear that bar. Um, I'll probably go see it. I mean, I, I, I like the thing that I would like to see is I did, you know, they've got this this kind of sequence with him arguing with 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 Venom. And I think if they play that well, that's something that can play well. It's just we'll see what they do with it or if that's just like, the, you know, the, the 30 seconds they threw in a trailer. So something that dawned on me, I'm flipping through or in you know kind of middle, the middle rolodex of all of uh, the Spider-Man villains the the you know Venom if done well has a lot of has a lot of kind of neat sort of anti-hero things that you could bring into to different media that he ties into a lot of different characters that you're not really seeing in the in the MCU because they tend to be a little bit darker a little bit more bloody but um, Tom Hardy I think in a weird way would have been a better Sandman or Clayface, which looks a lot more like the powers that he had uh, to some degree, minus the like the little little change, you know, the kind of the full venom out in the end. And it just it doesn't. I just can't. I like if I didn't know that that was a Venom movie, and, and clearly it was trying to be on display as it was in this trailer. I'm just still not getting it. Like that's something if you're a, if you're a comic book superhero slash comic book property movie, it should be you should be instantly recognizable as that thing. Like at, at, you should be instantly recognizable as the thing in the title of the movie. Um, and I think that is the fatal flaw right now. Uh, like, if you know, if you say Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Ant-Man, Captain America, Hulk, Thor, whatever you say any of those names you you start going to the you know joker you know suicide squad this that and the other like you have an instant conjuring when you see that that trailer or a clip that you're like yep yep okay i don't know if it's gonna be good or not but i can i see what they're going for this is one of the very few times i can i can say in a comic book based property that i i don't think you can you can pull that out no i think that's probably fair and that's probably why it doesn't really 
grip you, you know? It doesn't really give you that, like, yeah, this is it. It's kind of like, oh, I, I guess this is it, you know? So, yeah, that's uh, that's Venom. We'll see how that goes. I, I, I would rather see Midnight Suns. That's that's true. Um, I know you would. Uh, and just because you can't see it listening to the show, but Jay's because um, you can change. We, we record in Mumble and you can change your name in Mumble to whatever you'd like. And so every week past uh, the April Fool's episode, Jay has had a very different variation of basically why is there not a Midnight Suns? You know, my I hate April Fool's Day. Rest in peace, Midnight Suns. So, you know, we, we got to. We got a feel for him on this one. He's he's taking it pretty hard, but let, let us not forget eventually. that Iron Fist still sucks. Iron Fist does still suck. <laughs> All right, so moving along here, uh, Avengers: Infinity War. Jay, you're the only one who can speak on this. Um, just as we're clear to the audience, everyone out there, we do not do spoilers until at least two weeks after the film has aired. So this is going to be a spoiler-free initial thoughts, and then in a couple of weeks we'll probably talk about it in depth. You're safe. You can you're, keep you listening. You are safe here. You it is safer here than YouTube. So that's you true. Keep listening. It's okay. So Jay, what did you think of the film? Well, um, overall, uh, I would say it was a. Uh, it, I, I think it lived up to the hype. Uh, I'm not. I'm probably going to have to give this one an eight out of ten or so. Uh, there, what they did really well. I'll just be upfront. There is a ton of different characters in this. Be they good guy, bad guy, or whatever, or or even background characters. There's a ton of characters. They did a really good job of giving them all something meaningful to do, even if it's in a small way. So from that angle, and that was one of the things I was kind of most concerned about when you have these big mashup movies like this, like how do you get everybody something legitimate to do other than literally stand in the background? You know, you give them something meaningful, even if it's like a, like one or two lines or like a sequence or a thing, they did a really good job of that. So integrating all the characters in a meaningful way, check Uh, the story itself was actually pretty good. And it's it's definitely not quite the same as like you know the the classic Infinity Wars uh, comic uh, comic run, which none of the MCU stuff really is, but it definitely told a good story that had a lot of tones for that. One of the things in particular they did real well is they made Thanos a really good bad guy, really good bad guy. Like he's a, there's a lot of depth to him. There's a lot of different things going on with Thanos other than he's just not chewing scenery, uh, so to speak. Um, and and for whatever and for what it's worth, like you don't get to see this too often, but uh, whatever Josh Brolin did when he was acting this, or however they transmitted it on the screen through a, about a million green dots on his face and CGI, like his acting actually came through a big purple CGI character very well. Uh, so overall. I, I think uh, I think it was pretty solid. The action pieces were really good. I thought, you know, good, good comic book action. Uh, they didn't really take crazy liberties with anything. And you got these really neat snippets of like these interesting sort of mashups of the different Marvel teams and stuff that are, were around. Uh, they interspersed good action with some not I wouldn't say humor, but there were some really good like one-off lines dotted throughout pretty, pretty regularly that, that were quite good throughout the, uh, throughout the movie. I like the fact that the character arcs in the previous movies mattered. So overall, I thought that was pretty good. So the Thor that you got literally right out of Ragnarok is walking right into, is into this tied with guardians of the galaxy. Great pairing, by the way. Um, and, and and so on and so forth. So 
without getting into a lot of the meat of the story, long story short, Thanos, he's looking to get the Infinity Gauntlet uh, together. Uh, well, he's got the gauntlet, and now he wants all the stones, all the Infinity Stones. So he he starts accruing them through a series of different battles and nefarious means and things like that. And obviously, all the heroes in different ways are uh, contending with him. Some some don't even realize they're doing it. Some don't really. None of it all really comes together till the very very end. Uh, but it's 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 pretty well done, and, and I will definitely. Uh, we're not going to go into like some overly specific spoilers. We can probably talk about a few instances, but it's clearly the Empire Strikes Back sort of moment for uh, for Marvel. Uh, the bad guys do do pretty well in this one. Uh, th- I don't think that's a shocker to anybody, and it's kind of how it was sort of set up to be. Uh, what they also did, I think, very well when that. Not I think a lot of people aren't going to realize is when they watch these next couple movies they will see how well this first movie set those other ones up i i I suspect is going to happen so you do have a huge gamut of characters in there and again pretty pretty well done pretty well done eight out of ten so far so a question i've got is that you've seen all these different franchises and i'd say that the tone of each franchise has been a little bit different. Like you could, you know, Iron Man is obviously a very different tone than say Guardians of the Galaxy. How well did they mesh those kind of different tones together into this film? Like would they just kind of yeah. want to stick to it or do they actually try no, to it together? So I, I think that goes, uh, to be honest with you, that I think was the reason that the giving all the characters something to do worked real well because they kept the vibe like that kind of definitive core vibe from the different kind of movie, like sub franchises. And they were very well interspersed, even sometimes in the same scene. So when you had the pure Avengers dynamic, it very much picks up from, you know, civil war where there's clearly a schism between, you know, people on the Avengers crew. Uh, Then you also have Peter Parker, who is coming in in a very different, from a very different place as he interacts with Tony Stark uh, and, and and Dr. Strange, the Dr. Strange character who I think eventually, who I was actually pegging to be kind of the next sort of Tony Stark slash, um, you know, Nick Fury kind of guy, the the guy that will bring people together for, for, you know, story reasons, which he does quite well. I mean, that was in, the, the byplay between his character and Tony Stark, I think, were some of the best in the movie. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy obviously have a very kind of space pirate sort of, you know, romp kind of thing dotted with some emotional moments, as the, and very much like Ragnarok did. So bringing the Thor piece together with them worked really, really well. Uh, and you got some neat character playoffs going on in there. Um, I, I thought that was particularly good, you know, just the way that they did it. So they did keep, so to your question, I think they kept the tone of the sub franchises and they were blending them really well throughout the movie, which ultimately I think that's what made the character synchronization work really good in the movie. That's good to hear. Cause that was kind of my primary concern is that you, it, it can be difficult to try to blend different styles together like that but if they're able to hold true to that it, it makes the characters feel like they're still in their place but interacting properly so that's good well, to hear. well the cool thing is yeah i mean the cool thing is that nobody does anything out of character so to speak it's right. all like whatever their definitive sort of take on the character has been it they definitely it shows through in this movie 
Uh, like I said, I think some of the highlights are the Strange and, and uh, Tony Stark interactions. Those are exceptionally well done. Uh, I am continually impressed with Tom Holland as Peter Parker. Um, the 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 quote unquote funny parts were definitely more driven by the 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 Thor from Ragnarok interjected into the Guardians of the Galaxy world, which, as you can imagine, leads to some very interesting moments. Um, that that was where a lot of the, the sort of the, the actual humor was, but there's a lot of like really really zippy little like lightning bolts, you know, like verbal lightning bolts flying between uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch. There, there, th- those scenes are really enjoyable, um, but they played them very straight, you know, very you know very serious, very true to the characters as they had so so far. So uh, overall, like I said, I, I think it was. It's, it's probably well worth the money that uh, that people are shelling out for it. What it really does exceptionally well above all of that, though, is it sets up the next couple movies. Uh, and I think it did it in a very clean way without being overly ham-handed or anything like that. And you get a lot of good hints throughout the movie on on what the path might be for the next next movie or two. All right. Well, sounds pretty good. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's it's gotten great reviews. I kind of talked to people from my office, and they they're all like, "Yeah, it's 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 good. You know, it's it's good as it needed to be." So, I'm looking forward to it. it should be good to, to go check that out in the next week or two. Okay, so moving along here, Zell, your your main girl, what? Or Croft. <laughs> What's going on with this uh, new trailer for um, Tomb Raider? There is one. That's, I, I caught him off guard there by, by implying that Zell had a main girl, and he was very confused for a second there. Yeah, that that was that that did really throw me there. Um, yeah, so uh, new game, September fourteenth, um, third of the the set of them. Uh, is it really the third already? Jesus. Yeah, it's the. Th- third of the the new game franchise and so um and this is in uh like a mayan tomb thing i assume it's a tomb it's kind of kind of on brand for that they're gonna probably raid it or something like that stop some sacrifices one one would think yeah one would think yeah no i mean this is i like how it very clearly says be the trailer it's like it's like this is not gameplay like don't don't go yelling at us because this is not gameplay and it's it's very cinematic. But it was it was a pretty cool trailer. I, I don't. Well, it's I a don't... very it's a very cinematic game. I mean, you go you go from game. You know, when you're playing a Tomb Raider game, you go from segments of gameplay to like a a, a cinematic decent cinematic sequence like every minute or two. It's a very cinematic looking game. No, I hear you. No, I mean it looks it looks interesting. Like I said, I haven't really been much of a Tomb Raider player um, ever, so you know I. I track it from a distance, but it, uh, it it looks good, but it'd be cool to see gameplay and see if it's more than what we've been seeing in the previous title so far, or if it's just kind of a continuation of that, that my, story and that experience. My understanding is it should be more or less, if you liked what you had, you'll still, you'll, you'll like what's here. It, it, I don't, I don't, I don't believe there's been any word that there's going to be anything crazy changed up here from, from the previous games in the, in the trilogy. So, and I, I think they've, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think the trailer actually kind of indicated it was like the the end of the beginning of them or something like that. This was this was kind of the conclusion of a set of you know the set of three. Yeah, and I think it, it tends to bode better when studios kind of have this definitive end in mind and they actually stick to it rather than dragging it out forever. Because you take the same the same character, the same IP, and just 
pound it into the ground. Oh, it does, it's I mean, like, you need to stop. <laughs> that doesn't mean they're not going to make another one. It's just it's the uh, end of a particular set that they should, you know, wrap up what they're, you know, what they're doing here. And then sure. they can continue on past that with, you know, another trilogy or something like of that. Of course. Of course. All right. But yeah, so that looks like that one's coming out on September 14th, so still a ways away, but uh, I'm sure we'll see more of it at E3, uh, since that'll be uh, right in the middle. So another news, uh, CCP Games. So this one came out actually shortly after FanFest, which is kind of a surprise. So if you are at all a follower of CCP Games, they make a, a little little known game uh, called EVE Online. And the executive producer of that game is a developer by the name of CCP Siegel. Uh, her real name is actually Andy Nord Nordren. I apologize if I got that wrong. Um, but it was announced this last week that she will be leaving the company. So this isn't like a she was fired. It isn't like she had an internal dispute and is quitting. It's simply that uh, she's originally from Sweden and she has children in Iceland that she's raising, but she wants to be able to raise her kids closer to the rest of her family. So that involves moving back to Sweden, obviously. And, you know, if you're the executive producer of a game, you probably can't, you know, telecommute from another country. You kind of have to be in the office. So she is leaving the company to move back to Sweden, basically to, for, for family reasons. Uh, so she's going to be sticking around for a few more weeks. It's not going to be like she's gone in two weeks gone. Uh, by the end of June is kind of the time frame they're looking at while well, she's transitioning to, you know, move the responsibilities over and you know move so ccp hilmar or helmar is going to be stepping in to kind of fill her shoes for the time being it's not meant to be a permanent thing but he wants to be more involved with the development of eve online directly and he's going to be kind of taking over her responsibilities until they find a proper replacement because when you're you know hiring an executive producer for the game that basically allows you to exist you want to make sure you get it right so they're going to take their time with this one and he's going to kind of be um, filling in for her in the meantime i'm a little surprised only the timing because usually if you're leaving on like, you know, relatively good terms and stuff like that, it's, uh, they let you find a replacement before you leave kind of thing that, that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, she's got like, so what today is it's technically about two months to do, but yeah, you think that they would kind of figure that out ahead of time, especially since it sounds like it was planned because she basically said, you know, I, I wanted to get everything set up and good to go for the next expansion in Eve. And they announced all of that at FanFest. And then once that was announced and, you know, on the test server and people were trying it out, then it was like, I'm leaving now. So it isn't like she decided yesterday, this is what's going on. So it is a little strange. Yeah. No, it just like as you're kind of going through the timeline on that, it just kind of struck me, uh, you know, not not odd or anything, but just like sort of uh, I, I would thought I would have thought that for something as significant as that position uh, that, you know, they would they would be, you know, angling for somebody or like, hey, can you give us like another month so we can find somebody kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, it could be very well that they were looking and haven't found anyone yet. That's so fair. Like, we, we have to announce it at some point, so I'm not just up and leaving in a week. Um, so I, who knows the internal politics behind what's going on. But uh, yeah, so they, she's got a little more time, so it's not going to be like a, a cut and dry thing. But uh, you will start to see that transition happening, uh, moving responsibilities around within the company. 
And just kind of as a, a factoid here, so she actually joined CCP back in 2010, and then she took over the executive producer role in 2014. So she's been at this for, uh, I guess, three and a half, four years now. So, um, you know, a lot of the more recent stuff that's come out of EVE has really been under her watch. So, you know, I, I'm not a player of EVE much anymore, but if you have been liking what has been going on in the last four years, it's, it's kind of probably thanks to her in, in some parts. So, you know, you know, best of luck to whatever she's doing. I'm sure with that that uh, credential, she could probably find work pretty easily back in Sweden. And hopefully, everything goes smoothly for her as she you know makes a, a pretty significant life change there. Okay, so moving along here, we've got Destiny 2, and this is a game that we have not talked about in some time, uh, mostly because I have stopped playing it entirely. I think it probably goes the same for Jay, but it's probably worth bringing up because the second expansion for Destiny 2 has been announced with a definitive release date. And the reason I bring it up is because I foolishly purchased the season pass when Curse mm-hmm. of Osiris came out, so I they got me. So I will have this expansion and will probably at least run through the story at the very least to you know keep up with what's going on in the plot so the expansion name is Warmind. it's kind of what we expected it's going to be centered kind of around rasputin who is the big ai that has been defending earth for a very long time against the darkness and the enemies of, of the traveler and that sort of thing so it's uh following rasputin anna bray this is of no big surprise to people who have been following kind of the lore and what people have been expecting, uh, as well as the Clovis Bray Corporation. And these are the, this is the corporation that was responsible for a lot of the tech um, from the Golden Age, including the war mines. Um, so kind of diving into some of that history. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my phone's buzzing here. Um, so that should be should be good to see. Uh, I trying to be too bitter about it but i was i was excited to see a lot of osiris and the curse of osiris and he was on screen for like five seconds so you know hearing these names drop is exciting but at the same time my hopes are extremely low in regards to how much history we're actually gonna get out of this so that's what it's gonna be about uh it takes place on mars with the polar ice cap so it's kind of this snow area and it looks like the primary enemy is going to be the hive like they were buried frozen there whatever and rasputin reactivating in recent times has kind of woken them up as well so you'll be fighting a lot of hive enemies while you're on the ice caps of mars well uh, yeah go ahead, I'm go, ahead sorry. Go, go ahead no 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 just uh, i they do have other uh, other things going on involved in I, I think you're get I think you are getting another enemy race the frames if I'm not mistaken I've heard talk of that yes and I'm not do we know what what they are exactly or yeah just... well I would I would I think they're they're robotic in nature because they refer to all the little robots in the tower as frames so it, they, they were a they are a war mind construct you know they're they're basically the you know like foot soldiers slash you know fighting machines for the war mines um there's a I, I, your your description is, is spot on though by the way but i can tell I, I have been watching quite quite a bit this last week on the this is not quite a hail mary pass that bungie's throwing but they are sparing like no expense to try to get people on board for this right now I mean, they really have to. I mean, you, you look at the, the attitude of particularly you, you notice a lot in content creators on YouTube and that sort of thing and the lack of interest that they have for a game that was basically their source of income. And they're just like, 
I mean, we're paying attention and reporting on it, but we just kind of don't care. And I think that they really need to find a way to ignite the excitement that you felt really early on that quickly died off after people started to kind of get into the end game and realize there's nothing to do. Um, so they have to really re-energize the community on this one, or they are going to have a real hard time pushing through to Destiny 3 because we already know they're working on that. Yeah, so the uh, are you tracking the community summit that Bungie sponsored uh, about a yes. week and a half ago? Yeah. So yeah. they basically pulled, I, I want to say it was upwards of 20 different you know, pretty significant kind of content creators like podcasters, you know, you know, video bloggers, like YouTube channel folks from a, a variety of different sort of backgrounds, you know, uh, PVP focused, PVE focused, um, you know, the couple lore people in there here and there. And, and so they pulled a lot of folks together and brought them to Bungie for a two day uh today like hey let's let's talk to you about what's going on here's what we got in the future i mean they're definitely trying to get these people on their side uh they're doing everything they can to um sort of show what show what they are working on and i've watched a couple of the uh there's a couple really good videos of some some of these different content creators basically getting together like over at somebody's house like the night like the night after it closed um and doing like, you know, like an hour long, like, let me explain to you what we did. You know, they are under an NDA, but like, it's kind of neat. So they've got basically a tiered NDA. It's like by stages. I, Zell, you may have had one of these with CCP in the past, but it was, it's, it's structured where they basically described it. There's three tiers of what you're allowed to talk about. And right now they're under like, no, you can't really talk about pretty much anything. Uh, and then as releases come out or as Bungie releases certain information, it, it automatically triggers their ability to do, to open up the conversation to other things. So they talked a lot about Warmind uh, and then they talked a lot about really deeper than that, like where's Bungie going? And apparently uh, the, the general tone coming out is this expansion is going to be it, it will be okay. It will, you know, from a story perspective, it will like be better than you know, better slash longer than Curse of Osiris, but it's certainly not a game saver, game changer. There are a lot of much needed sandbox updates and updates to exotics and, you know, different equipment packages and stuff like that. So, so there, there are some good, like systemic things, or at least some needed systemic things that they are trying to address in this one. But uh, the general tone was, Really, it's it's not the, not so much the May update that is gonna is really gonna be turning the lights on or off for Bungie. It's really the September one uh, because of whatever they whatever they disclose that they're planning for se September is um, that's where most of the the reviewers and the and the the folks that were hosted by Bungie said that that's what they were kind of really looking at and apparently there's a couple of instances where they brought out and they said okay and we're trying to do X and we want and this is what we're going to do about it they made a big presentation about it and like uniformly like everybody they brought was like absolutely not and he's like they're like it didn't matter what what background of the community they came from where there was like kind of the lore and story folks or the the pvp crowd or if it was the uh you know 
sort of social PVE groups. It didn't matter where they were from. It was like literally the the one unilateral thing, whatever this quote unquote big thing was that they laid out on the first day, they were, they absolutely shacked them and said no. Uh, so Bungie apparently iterated heavily with them over a two day window to try to adjust these things. And it's kind of interesting, you know, so this tells you a lot that, you know, Bungie, for the fact that they do make, they do make a lot of pretty solid games, but they've never really felt the need to engage with the community ever. Uh, that was the other prevailing wind uh, from these folks is that, you know, they may talk to people in Bungie a lot, but when you talk to people from Bungie, there was always this like, you don't trust me, you're going to like what we give you kind of thing, no matter what was going on. Sounds familiar. Yeah. So apparently that is very different right now. Uh, and I suspect that there's a whole lot of people that are really like, they would really like to be employed, you know, before, you know, through Christmas that are fighting very hard to make destiny not fucked up is basically what's going on right now. Um, and apparently they did go into some level, which they can't talk about, but they did, they can, they, they did describe that they were able to talk about, uh, or they, they did address a lot of things in terms of why certain choices were made that led them to what destiny Two looked like when it came out, which is really the root of all of these problems. Um, and it, it had to be, a, it would have been an absolutely fascinating, you know, two days worth of conversations, I think, to listen into. But apparently there was like no stone unturned. They, they asked every question known to man that you could come up with to try to address with the Bungie folks. So the fact that Bungie's going all out on that one, that tells you a little something. And they are absolutely trying their best to course correct. I think the problem is they've dug themselves so deep of a hole with Destiny 2, like uh, the release version, that um, they're just... I think their desperation mode is how do you get people to just just enough people to hang on through May, just enough people to hang on so that when you release something that is maybe taken King level game changer in September, that it, it breathes life back into the game. I, I think that's the, I, that's clearly what it sounds like their play is right now. Um, but and they, they apparently they would not address anything about Destiny Three, by the way, because uh, because they they were queried that a few times and were shut down immediately. They were like, we are we we are only here to talk about Destiny Two. We acknowledge nothing about a Destiny Three. Well, I think because it came out that they said, oh well, most of our devs are working on Destiny Three, and people are like, wait, your Destiny Two still messed up? What the hell? And they got kind of kicked in the teeth for that one as well. And just they're like, you know what? Let's not even talk about that. We're really going to focus on, we're going to be super laser focused on Destiny Two, um, and and try to get this working. In yeah, De- I think you're really on point. Destiny is not something that you can do a like a fucking Call of Duty every year turn on and oh by the way that call of duty actually has three full studios three no kidding full up serious studios of you know probably several hundred people working on it just so they can have one every year like you know, there's one producing and releasing that year and then there's two more in the shoot creating while that's going on so you know, Destiny 2, like Destiny D1 was out for a long time before they, they kicked off D2. Like a long time. Um, now, I... Go ahead. Three years, I think, right? Yes, about something like years. that, yeah. Now, the inter- now I will say this, though. Um, one thing that, one theory that I've heard is that, and it's it 
nobody's no but Bungie will absolutely not come out and, and admit this but some of the the more uh, i would say the quote-unquote trusted sort of youtubers that are out there that like do really really good work do really good game coverage they have surmised and i think they're right that there was a massive shift in destiny 2 when you know very late in the game uh which then led to certain problems that we're seeing now which i don't know but that's not that's not new shit. I mean, we see this in, in numerous big games like that take multi-year, you know, game development times to produce. And you've got like there's two or three core people that are like kind of visionaries or those guiding you know, kind of energy pushers through the process. And if they leave and then somebody new comes on, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, no, no, like, fuck space magic. Let's just everybody wants two rifles. Let's go. You know, that's the stuff you got to watch. And. It, there could be something to that, that they had like some significant changes in their, in some of their key leaders, you know, like eight, eight months out from the game's release that really shifted some things around. I, I don't know that that to be true, but it's, uh, it's certainly plausible. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some reports as well saying that there was a, there was a kind of that major shift late in the game towards kind of pushing for the more, you know, microtransaction model, which we saw the whole game was built extremely heavily around. Um, they've been kind of trying to backpedal and not doing a very good job at getting away from that so far. And I think that if anything, that's probably what a lot of the folks put on and that's the, the choices that had to be made to fit that model really put them in a bad spot. And I think that's a, a large part of, of a big issue. And I think that, you know, with some of the things we've seen in other franchises with the push for that style of monetization, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a late game decision where they're like, well, what if we just kind of ripped out this stuff and you could put it in later with these loop? It's, it's just a total mess. And I, and I think that was largely what really turned people off. And they were so attached to that, that even events that they had planned prior to that, or prior to them being released were, were kind of locked into that model and it just agitated the community even further. I mean, the dawning event was just disgusting in, in terms of how they, how they, set that up and it's like that's not how events should feel in a game like this and it just it did not did not do well for the community at all and they've got a lot of work to do to kind of break that mold and that mindset people kind of put themselves in where they're like it's just gonna be the same stuff over and over again because they people complained and they just kept doing it and they complained and they kept doing it and it, kind of the vibe i got from the people that went to this the summit um i think the video i watched was dotto uh, was the one i actually watched and he's like this is a frustrating video because i can't actually tell you anything but he's a to be honest, this is the first time I felt like they were actually listening. And I think the team has gotten their teeth kicked in so hard at this point. They're like, we will do anything it takes to turn this thing around. Yeah, no, I think you are, you, you're pretty well spot on with that. I, I, Data was in one of those compilation videos with like three or four of the other folks. And again, it was really good. I didn't see his, uh, his, personal one that he followed up on uh he's usually he's he's like one of the original like og content creators for uh for destiny as well like he's that's daughter does that daughter does destiny is like that was that that you're right that's basically his form of employment um but it was listen it was very interesting listening to folks talk about talk about this kind of stuff uh, ign actually has a, a you know fire team chat uh, youtube kind of podcast sort of things 
about 30 to 45 minutes per week. And they've been doing it for a long, 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 long time. And they've been struggling recently to figure out how do you keep up with this. And this is, you know, that's a fairly major media publisher that does this. And it, it was interesting listening to people talk about what was coming out of this. So overall, like I, I'm interested, I would be interested. I'm interested in the story. I'm interested in what they do, but unless they do massive changes, I don't know. Now, reportedly, a lot of the exotics are getting a major rework. There's a lot of things like that, that I will probably want to stick my head in and just see, because, you know, I have a, a ridiculous amount of exotics, you know, like right now, but the, the thing is none of them, real, very few of them truly felt exotic. So now, if they're going back in to really try to update a lot of stuff like that to, to make the feel of the game different, I'm, I'm interested in going back and, and maybe just giving it a wing. Certainly not going to put it in my regular rotation right now, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same place where it's like, well, I own it. I'll do the story. The, the story bits are usually decent enough. They're worth the time you put to go through them, but I probably won't slip into the you know weekly hit your weekly bonuses that sort of thing it's just i got other stuff i want to work on and it's not part of it so you know it's 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 an interesting place and you know we'll see if they can hold on for now and it, it's kind of interesting you brought up you know that that one podcast where they talked about it because I, I think we at biomass kind of felt that as well when dust 514 which was the game that we made this show for slipped into kind of life support mode and and, and there were updates they were still kind of pushing stuff out but it was by far, there's no way we could have kept up a full hour every week to talk about that game. And we, we had to kind of adapt and switch to uh, a more broad things we were looking at, not so focused on that particular game. And, you know, the, the lucky part for us is that we weren't necessarily branded specifically to that. But when you've got, you know, your YouTube channel is Dotto Does Destiny, you're, you're kind of locked into doing just that. Um, and so I feel for these guys, it's tough. And it's it's a difficult place to be in as a content creator, um, regardless if you're an independent guy or a podcast or IGN or something like that. It's 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 tricky. So, you know, for those, those folks that have kind of assigned themselves to this game i really do hope that they can keep going and, and make it to what will hopefully be kind of this taking king style update uh, in september because if it if that fizzles i mean i think bungie's contractually obligated to make a destiny 3 but it's going to be real rough if they can't turn this thing around with their big update yeah it's uh, destiny 2 ultimately i think the, the current byline that <clears throat> that I would go go with to sum all of this up is so much wasted potential. <laughs> yep, at some point. So the Warmind update is coming out on May 8th, so that's like a week from the day of this recording. We'll probably touch on that in uh, probably a couple of weeks, give us time to actually kind of get through it and, and get our thoughts uh, pulled together. But it will be coming out next week, so you can give that a shot, so it should be interesting. And there is a trailer. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I will ask one question, though, Jay, from this trailer that my brother and I were kind of going back and forth about. And they've mentioned this in the game at one point or another, that there might be like a, more elements than the three we start with. Did you get the vibe that there's an ice element coming in this expansion? Um, I know I, I see what you're talking about looking at the trailer. I don't know, but there's been a clamor for a fourth sort of light energy uh, to to kind of broaden the game scope a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. So you you definitely could, but I, I think ice would be a weird choice for it. Just you know, kind of based on sort of how it works um 
it, it wouldn't. I think that I think that, that that's something they would need. I don't know if it's coming out for this, though. I, I don't know. I, I I think I think no, but you're certainly not the first per- person to like uh, to to really push for that. I, that's a that's a huge thing in terms of uh, increasing playability of the game X, Y, and Z. What one of the other things you're talking about right now is also like uh, the game is kind of designed for you to to work like multiple characters. It, it's really sort of built that way from the ground up, but when the game isn't fun enough to do that or it's too repetitive to do that you really start to get into a lot of the second second and third level problems uh in terms of playability so anything that they can get people like just doing normal activities because a lot of pve stuff like you're, you're basically you're required to have other people and that's the problem like you you can't there's a lot of shit that's just it's too hard and too grindy to do if you don't have people with you um so getting people to play bringing in a new light element something like that anything like that is probably where they're at right now okay yeah i was just curious that kind of that caught my attention in the trailer i'm like hmm i wonder if they're implying because they they had mentioned in game like i think icora actually talks about other elements but they never really touched on it so you know like, like you said this could be something that comes later but that is certainly a, a desire of the community so i was just kind of curious your yeah no I, they've talked about that a lot one the the thing i would be actually a little bit more interested in and i think it would i don't know if it'd be easier to do probably no or her easier is if they were if you were able to use more than one type of light energy at a time so you know you know what i'm saying so you could you could be working an arc strider hunter and still pull off you know like a golden gun or or, or an electrical version of a golden gun something like that ah, interesting well, that'd be cool that'd be interesting yeah i'd be curious to see if they would go that direction since they very much went to a more canned preset loadout of skills opposed to the more flexible one they had in the previous game i think moving towards more flexibility in terms of how you build your character and their powers would actually be very well accepted by the community oh um, just to kind of bring yes some and, and actually you just hit on something that we didn't talk about so one of the other things that that was a a significant topic of discussion progression is being slowed down significantly in this update so there it's they basically acknowledge that like yeah you can race to to end game light level very very quickly but they're basically putting a lot of curbs on that right now in this update which i don't know how i feel about that um it depends on how they do it like if it just turns into a we made it even more grindy that's not yeah well one of the things that i am a little concerned about is a lot of the people giving them feedback were like hey um you know everybody's it's almost like everybody's getting a little bit too much free chicken and oh by the way you you should only get the best stuff for in-game in-game high-end ultimate tier activity on the surface i kind of buy that the problem is the game is just not fun enough to play to get that shit uh and and it forces you like you can't really as a solo player you can't really compete then which I got it if the game is driving you to be a so like in a, in a social activity, but then your game also has to be good enough for me to have my friends play too, and that's I think that's a that's kind of a pill to swallow right now, uh, at least for me. 
Yeah, in the way that like Final Fantasy 14 does that I really like is that it's like you can get the highest end stuff from not doing like raid level content. It just takes quite a bit longer and you're kind of locked behind like weekly weekly benchmarks. Or if you can just plow through the raid because you're good enough, you can get it much sooner. That model feels much better because I can go, you know what? I don't feel like raiding. It's not my thing, but I don't feel like I'm missing out on content. I'm choosing not to do the high end content, but I can still get there. And I've accepted that's going to take longer if I take this path. And it feels better as a player rather than, uh, yeah, sorry, if you don't have five other guys that are willing to, you know, sit in this thing for six hours a day and grind it out, you're you're screwed, which is kind of where Destiny's at. And it's that's I'm with you on that one. I don't like that it requires a large group to do the high end stuff. I like to be able to kind of take it at my own pace and maybe play with just a couple people or by myself, you know, that it, it lacks that option, which is kind of frustrating. But anyway, so like I said, we'll, we'll retouch on this one probably in a couple of weeks. Um, I'll at the very least be giving it a shot and uh, let you know my thoughts on, on the Warmind expansion when it does come out. So moving along real quick here. So Monster Hunter World, just kind of our, our usual updates. So the Devil May Cry collaboration event is live right now. Um, so you can do it. It's on, available on all platforms. It's not exclusive to PS3 or PS4, rather. Um, and so if you want to access it, go to the event section of the mission board. Uh, go to the uh, events. The mission is called Code Red. requires Hunter Level 14, which is not too hard to get to. If you've gotten, I think, the first third of the game, you're, you're there. So you should have access to that if you've been playing for a while. The mission is basically in the arena. You have to fight an Anjanath, an Odegarin, a Rathalos, and a Teostra. Not at the same time, thank God. It's just one after the other. Um, it's not too bad because there's four monsters. They have less health overall, so you can you know get through them. But uh, you will have to, to kind of work your way through that. Um, you'll get this item called a red orb. If you're a fan of the Devil May Cry series, you'll know what that is. But each red orb can be used to build a piece of gear. So you'll need seven in total. Um, one for each of the five pieces of armor and then two for the charge blade weapon, which is actually really cool. It's most charge blades, as you know, is a one-handed sword and a shield and the shield will kind of latch onto the sword. It turns into this big axe that does... It's a complicated weapon. I'm not good with it. But this one is kind of cool as in that the shield is kind of more like a a magic rune so it matches the Devil May Cry uh, style and the sword will actually change its appearance from the Alaster to the Rebellion and again if you're familiar with the series you'll know what those swords are but it, it's a really cool way to maintain the aesthetic of Devil May Cry but you know fit the weapon into what's going on so really cool it's it's well worth your time it will take a little bit longer to grind these out than you're probably used to simply because most of the armor pieces also in addition to the red orb require a high level rare item from each of the monsters so you will be fighting the monsters that give you those drops like Odegarin, Anjanath, Teostra um, you may not get those rare drops from doing that mission but it does kind of give you the chance to build the materials you're going to need to craft the items I luckily had pretty much everything I needed just from doing other stuff but for people that haven't been playing quite as much you might have to grind a bit for these the lucky part is, is that once you get the orbs the rest of the stuff can be farmed outside of the event so if you don't get it done before the end of the event as long as you have your orbs you can still craft the gear uh later on so don't feel like you're totally rushed to get every single one of those rare drops this week 
the stats on the armor are actually really good. Uh, it's not like the other stuff where it's kind of like, ah, it looks cool, but it's not very useful. Some of the stuff on here is fantastic. Like the boots in particular have some really good stats on it. So I would check those out. Uh, it's well worth your time to do it. Um, and if you do do these missions, make sure you turn the music up on your PS4 or your Xbox, whatever you're playing on. Uh, it plays sounds and music from Devil May Cry, which just kind of adds a cool um, twist to what you're kind of used to hearing when you're playing, doing these hunts. So really fun event. I absolutely loved it. The armor looks great. It's Dante's outfit pretty much from the Devil May Cry series. Well worth your time. So make sure you check that out. It ends May 10th. And also, if you're interested, there are some Devil May Cry emotes available in the store. You get to play around with Ebony and Ivory, which are the two guns kind of iconic to the series. Um, and that's available to the store for uh, a few bucks. They're pretty, 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 uh, pretty cheap. But the event itself is free. The armor, the weapons, it's all included as a free update. Um, don't have to pay for it. So I was just checking out May 10th is when that's going to be over. Is there anything else that's confirmed as far as other crossover events go for this game? Because it seems like we've had, what, four now? Uh, I'm trying to think if they've announced anything. Ladies else and gentlemen, yet. Bate has joined us. B- Bate's here. Driving. He's very obviously also driving. Probably car wrecking. Hi guys, Carly. I'm Bate. Probably. No, actually no. I I heard that turn signal. <laughs> he hasn't crashed though, so he's still doing good. Um, yeah, to answer dude, your I'm question, Bate, uh, th- this is this is I think not the last crossover event, but the last one they've announced. Um, I think once this one's done and the um the other event that's going on is done that they'll probably start to announce some more. They've got plans for a ton of stuff moving forward. So, you know, keep your eyes peeled. Like I'll keep, you know, obviously updating you on this stuff. I I love this game. It's fantastic. And the, the value for what you get is well above everything else that I've seen in the market right now. So we'll, we'll keep you updated. Uh, other quick thing I wanted to cover, uh, Dark Souls Remastered, kind of some new news on this one. So this is a remaster of the original Dark Souls, which was on PS3. It's a remaster, not a remake, so that's a, an important distinction, which means that there's not going to be a ton of changes from the original, but it's kind of what you'd normally expect in a remaster. It's you know, better frame rate, better stability, better lighting, uh, same models, but like the textures are at a high resolution, that sort of thing. So it, it's going to look better, but if you're expecting kind of like a you know Spyro to Spyro remaster, Master or remade uh, thing that's not what you're getting here so it's just a remaster uh it's coming out on all platforms and if you own the original dark souls prepared to die edition on pc you will be able to get this for half off so i think it's coming out for 40 dollars on all platforms if you buy dark souls remaster which is 20 dollars right now you'll get the new one for half off. So you're not really saving money there, but if you did already own the original Dark Souls Prepare to Die edition, you will be able to get this for 20 bucks on PC, which is pretty nice. They had originally said they weren't going to do this, and they came back and said, yeah, actually, we'll give it to you for half off on PC. But if you're playing on PS4 or Xbox or Nintendo Switch, actually, uh, you will not be getting a discount for this one. So this comes out May 25th. Uh, We will probably pick it up. I kind of wanted an excuse to redo Dark Souls as part of Dungeon Crawl, so this is going to be my excuse. So uh, got to finish up God of War before May 25th, and then I can pick up Dark Souls and start repeatedly dying um, a lot because I haven't played it in a while, but it should be good. This is going to be one of those games that's going to be, like, really good for Switch, I feel like. Switch is for kind some of reason. Just... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, this game feels like it's... Like it's going to do extremely well on the Switch. Then you know that's not to say that I don't think it won't do well on everything else it's on, but particularly on Switch. It'll be interesting. Um, it's kind of in this trend to put 
games you wouldn't expect on the Switch. Like, I think Wolfenstein 2 is going to Switch. So certainly not what? only for Mario anymore. <laughs> it's, yes. it's it's people jumping on the bandwagon to, to do it. So you're seeing some good titles for the Switch. I think Nintendo has finally gotten to the point where they're getting third-party people to actually care, and they're putting games on their systems. So that, that's good to see. I think it'll be curious to see if that particular version sells well or not, because it's, it's certainly outside the general scope of what you would expect from a Nintendo console. Okay, so moving along here, um, Zell, did we talk about this last week? I forget. The, uh, the loot box It's a different... So we talked about the Netherlands, but then a few oh, days later, okay. Belgium joined the party here. Is it the same games, or do we know what games are um, affected I, by I the believe, loot box ban? So in this case, for Belgium, they specifically went after Overwatch, CSGO, and uh, FIFA 18. Um, but well, I think FIFA's I think Bel- clearly horrible. But yeah, I, I think uh, Bel- uh, Netherlands had a slightly different list. They had four titles on their list. This is interesting because like FIFA is in the same realm of kind of pay to win as uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 was. And this was actually one of the first ones to have that style of loot box where you could buy basically card packs and you could get better players to improve the, the, the quality of your team and it's, it's been doing this for a long time like that was kind of like the start of all of this and i know counter-strike has uh, you can cash it out or i think people will yeah. use skins to like gamble real world money something like that yeah i think the the issue with csgo is that i believe you can sell them on the market in at the steam store right and, and so i, I kind of get that as well because you're assigning a real world value to the rng yeah. item you're getting but, but overwatch, overwatch is, is the weird one like, that's I, it's really strange they have no it's cosmetic only and there's no uh there's no resale or any sort of ability to uh transfer even transfer uh items that you get in loot boxes they they cannot be resold or redistributed in any way so them going with them having a monetary value is is an interesting choice you can't buy them separately either like i mean like here's the storm sometimes some of the stuff that you get in loot boxes can also be bought outright so you can establish some sort of monetary value but arguably overwatch loot boxes are never attainable any other way nor can they be resold so it's very interesting that they decided to uh loop uh, loop overwatch into this yeah, because I'm, I'm, you know, you know me. I'm not a fan of of RNG purchased rewards at all. But Overwatch seems like the least egregious one, where it's it's like, you know, it, it's it doesn't hit those other legal points you'd expect to cause something like this to become illegal. So I'm I am very surprised by that one in particular. I mean, it it could be kind of what we talked about last week that the way they're presented is considered too close to gambling like the way that a slot machine kind of hypes you up and gets you mentally thinking that yeah i'm gonna win and then it's kind of that near miss i'm real curious if um it's it's that and not so much that it has value and that it, it could promote a a gambling addiction tendency rather than it's actually gambling in a you know very physical monetary sense yeah, I don't know. But I've also seen like a lot worse. I have seen games with like RNG 
boxes that literally do like a slot machine effect when you're picking what you have in it like oh yeah i i mean uh I, and i don't know for i don't know if you can buy anything that does it but like in black desert i know that they literally when you're selecting a rare item out of some of their caches of things that can be random things they literally have like a scrolling thing and you hit stop right right i've seen that in games so just the boxes opening you know in a fancy explosive animated style that dumps a bunch of junk on the ground i don't know if that's that's definitely not the worst yeah, and it, you know, it comes down to the technical stuff of basically, you know, they probably call psychologists in and say, like, you know, is this the kind of thing that's going to like really trigger a dopamine response? That's, you know, it's very addictive. I mean, that's how they get you to keep playing slot machines. Is that it's kind of this dopamine cycle? And I'm curious if they've just kind of done an analysis on that and determined that the way it's presented is problematic. I mean, Overwatch has the disadvantage of being popular, which means it's going to be like like the first one the list they're going to look at or some of the smaller ones like black desert you know it's black desert as well but it's certainly not overwatch levels of popular that they just may not be looking at that yet yeah and it could be setting a standard i mean they're saying specific titles but in this case they are really saying these type of behaviors are not okay and including overwatch basically means they're saying all loot boxes are not okay i i I mean i believe the netherlands case they looked at like 10 different games and said these four aren't okay so the netherlands left a left a very clear definition of what is and isn't okay in loot boxes and i think that belgium probably just went and said no you know what none of them just just don't yeah, no, it, it'll be curious to see, you know, if more countries follow suit. And I, I, I would love to hear them openly sit, talk about, like, this is the reason why this one is bad, this one is bad, this one is bad. Because, you know, you're entering that, that difficult territory of, like, what are the standards? You know, so if you do want to implement this into your game, how are you going to do it in a way that's compliant with these laws? So it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I, I don't I don't know if you'll actually see this ever make it to the United States just by what we've already seen kind of happen in flop in Hawaii, but it is, it's common for European countries to probably latch onto this a little bit more readily than, than we will be. So they, who knows if it'll actually affect us now, but I think it's Europe is much Europe. faster on regulations than we are. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Same thing with same. Uh, in the tech space, all of the uh, GDPR stuff was actually passed years ago. And really everything that you see right now is just them finally saying we are ending the grace period and we're actually going to start, you know, dealing out punishments if you haven't followed it. And there's there's a certain comedy to the fact that this law has been technically in effect for years and it's now 30 days prior to enforcement that everybody has finally changed their policies. Like I. I it goes into effect May 25th and April 25th was like the Black Friday of privacy regulations. I got like 50 emails of, of companies changing their policies. That's funny. Next week on Biomass, Germany regulates loot boxes. You're going to see a lot of this. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if they all fall suit of each other, if they have different standards. But I think we're going to see this progressively, at least like I said, in Europe. And probably you'll start seeing it in uh, China and other Asian countries because they've also kind of started locking down on a lot of this stuff. Well, I remember a couple of months ago, um, China had that one where you had to show the percentages of the chances to win the yeah. thing. And then... Companies kind of went around it, kind of worked around it, and we'll see if they do anything more since then. I, I, I don't think they really did anything to the companies that went around it, so. 
Yeah, no, that's that's always a curious one as well. I'm I'm a big fan of that. You should at least tell people what their odds are, um, so they know. Yeah. I mean, even if it's like even the lottery here, it, it very clearly says like you've got like a one in like five hundred million chance of winning. You know, you'll ignore it, but at least it's there for people to make an educated choice of is this really worth spending five dollars on a one out of fifty chance? You know, it, it may not be. Okay, so we'll move along from that. But like I said, we'll, we'll cover that one uh, ongoing, I'm sure. It's an interesting controversy that's going to develop much over time. So let's move along to God of War. So kind of as, as a recap, we talked about the beginning of the show. Jay is approaching the end of the game. You said you're about 25 hours in. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm somewhere around there. Okay, and I'm probably like four to five hours in. So I'm, I'm much earlier in the campaign. Uh, I don't want to give it a score, but I can certainly give kind of my initial thoughts on what I think of the cool. gameplay and, and that sort of thing. So, wow, this game is gorgeous. Like, holy shit, it's gorgeous. Um, in terms of like the visuals, because that's probably the simplest thing, uh, this is top tier. Like, it is incredible that this is on a console and has a level of detail and fidelity that you would not expect from a console in this generation. You'd expect this to be a PC game with a much lower resolution version on console. It's gorgeous. I absolutely love the single camera shot thing that they've got going on where basically the camera follows Kratos um, throughout the world and cutscenes are absolutely 100% seamless between gameplay. The camera never actually shuts off and, and turns off. There's no cut to angle. There's no like fade to black. It's just one giant shot. So if you started this game and played all the way to the end, the camera would never break the whole time, which is a feat in of itself, just from a technological standpoint, but from a narrative standpoint, I love it. it you're never pulled out of the action or the immersion. I mean, you'll, you'll have menus pop up for... Um, fitting your skill tree and that sort of thing but you it still doesn't break the shot you still see him in the background you're just standing there so i absolutely love that um from the perspective of someone who has not played god of war in any appreciable sense i just watched like a seven minute recap of what was going on this is still a very approachable game i mean there's, there's some basic stuff you you're gonna want to know to kind of like the fact that Kratos is a god, you, you're going to want to know that stuff. But if you watch like a quick YouTube recap, you can get everything you're going to need in order to play this game. So that's not that's not bad. I think where this game really shines is how simple the combat is, but already just a little bit into the game, you can see where it's going in a sense that it's going to be very flexible, very interesting in what you do. Um, and you're going to have a lot of options moving forward as you kind of develop Kratos and level him up and get new skills and upgrade your weapons and that sort of thing. That's tough to do. And a lot of games struggle, but they want to have a deep combat system, but want to keep it simple. There are not many buttons to press in this game, but it's kind of this very slow learning curve of like, okay, if you press them in this combination, once you get this skill, you can do this, then you can do that, then you can do this. It evolves very smooth over time. You don't feel this jarring spike in like, okay, you got this new weapon, and now there's 50 different things you got to learn the next three seconds to use it right. It, it feels very natural. It's a very good progression. And it, it just it, it's 
is very easy and approachable. Um, that being said, the combat is not necessarily easy. There's some really, really difficult parts. Some certain enemies are hard to deal with, not in a frustrating sense. You just have to be very tactical in how you approach different combat encounters and that sort of thing, killing things in, in an order that makes sense and, and works best for what you have to deal with is kind of a learned thing. You'll you'll probably die a few times trying to figure out attack patterns, that sort of thing. But it's a, it's a very rewarding experience. And of course, it's got the classic God of War, you know, grab the guy and rip him in half. You know, it's it's a violent game, um, but it's 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 elegant in, in its violence, so to speak. But I think where this game really, really hits at home is the relationship between Kratos and his son and how that reflects in gameplay. So in the very early stages of the game, and I won't spoil anything in particular, but the early stages of the game, the, the son is not particularly useful. You pretty much have to kind of tell him like, I'm aiming at this part and the guy shoot an arrow and the kid will shoot the arrow and hit it. And that's, that's all he really does. And throughout the story you're kind of training him and teaching him like here's how you fight here's how you survive this and that and in a in a very mature way the game doesn't throw a pop-up in the middle screen saying hey your son can now use this move he just starts to do it and i've noticed him kind of evolve in how he fights and how he assists you in a way that you're like oh wow i've never seen him do that before and it's it, it feels very natural like you're actually teaching him and he's learning new abilities and new skills and the game doesn't kind of diminish your intelligence by just throwing it in your face it goes yeah you'll you'll notice you'll start so, to see it i just uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna one quick break in something I gotta I gotta say here before you continue on. I'm after after playing this game for a while. I will tell you that Atreus is best AI minion slash battle buddy ever in a in a game that I've ever played with. Like what you're saying, you when you get when you progress that through the game, like one is their their character arcs are. <laughs> fucking phenomenal uh but the gameplay part that you're talking about whatever they did in this they need to figure out how to clone this into other games that rely on ai party members because holy shit it's good it, it really is and he reminds me a bit of um 9s from near automata where it's like for once i don't have to worry about him like he just does what I need him to do and I don't have to sit and babysit him and heal him and revive him. He's just there. He helps and that's it. And it's, it's very refreshing in so many games where you're like, I gotta, gotta I gotta deal with this partner who's supposed to be helping me. And it's actually just, you know, a pain in the ass, you know, and, and he's, he's fantastic. And it, it's cool to see that, like I said, he develops over time. He's very useful. You don't have to babysit him. And you start to see, you know, in terms of storyline, they, they start bonding a little bit more, Kratos and, and Atreus. They they are still, where I'm at in the story, um, distant from each other. They don't really know how to talk to each other properly, but it's getting better. And you see that in the combat where it's like, okay, now you know, he'll jump up on the guy's back and start choking him out with the bow. And if you go up and hit that kid, that enemy, it does this cool combo attack where he kind of flips off and shoots him as you knock him away. Like the first thing that happened, I was like, holy shit, like that was cool. Like, good job, kid. You know, you actually kind of feel like excited because he's learned something and he's learning to work with you rather than just kind of being on the sidelines, just mildly supporting and only listening to your commands. So 
absolutely fantastic. And I, I love to see this, you know, and this is actually kind of something I wish that Final Fantasy 15 had had and ultimately didn't deliver on, but this really cool father-son dynamic where they don't get along very well. And it feels a very organic development in terms of their relationship and having that reflected into the gameplay it, it 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 prevents it from feeling forced and it feels very natural and real and you feel the effects of that relationship growing and it just gives a very genuine experience and it's just wow like it just feels fantastic and that's that's i think that's really where the game really hits it well i mean like so the storytelling and the graphics and the gameplay are all very solid but in terms of a character level seeing what kratos was compared to what he is now it's like it's the same dude and you can see why he's where he's at now, but in terms of depth and how many, not just being a one dimensional character, holy shit. Like they have just completely nailed it. I'm, I'm so impressed that they took a franchise that was very distinctive in what it was trying to do. It was a hack and slash wide camera angle, just kill everything. And it's kind of this gratuitous, you know, power fantasy. And they said, you know what? screw all that we're going to take a risk we're going to make it an extremely character driven you know relationship driven story with beautiful visuals we what we care about detail and gameplay completely completely different game like if you had taken the character out and the name out these two games would not be the same game you would not have any idea that they were part of the same franchise but being able to make that shift from what it was to what it is now and improve upon it in such a dramatic way I got a hand to the guys at Santa Monica Studios. Like they took a huge risk with this dead center bullseye. Like the game is absolutely fantastic. So like I said, I don't want to give it an, an, a score yet because I'm not in deep enough to feel like I can do that fairly. But what I've seen so far is so top notch. This is definitely a contender for one of the best games I've ever played. All right. I got a, I got a couple questions for you just in terms of the technical, technical pieces of the game, which is, you know, the easiest thing not to spoil um graphics like just like the look of the game and how it feels moving around and playing we'll talk about combat in a minute but like what does this make you think about any other playstation 4 game that you've played so far like what it compares to in terms yeah of like why the hell aren't they doing why because i don't know what they're doing but they're getting a lot out of the same amount of ones and zeros that a lot of other people use in other games well and, and that's the thing is that you you'll typically see a pretty a pretty gradual uptick in terms of quality from the beginning of a console's life cycle towards the end like the games at the end usually look a lot better than the games at the beginning this this game i would expect to be like the final game you see on the ps4 and it's probably hit the market about halfway through like it's it's ahead of that usual curve so i'm it's to answer your question i can't think of anything that's on the ps4 right now that looks this good yeah and you know there's a lot of games that can look good but they they they're very limited in their, in their play um I, this kind of drifts into the combat mechanics piece like i i actually think that you 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 dinged it right. I think it's a relatively simple game to figure out in terms of it's, you're not doing like these crazy street fighter combos to, to try to do things, but it's very intuitive in, in terms of how you play, but, but boy, it works well and you move very smoothly. You, you never feel like I'm just randomly pressing buttons to go into an attack pattern. There's actual design to what you're doing. And there's some, you, you know, 
the, the fights are pretty, pretty neat mechanically. It's not like an HP bash. There's a lot of mechanics usually involved in some of these fights. Um, and that's what struck me was like the game looks and sounds phenomenal and it, it plays really well. It, it's, it's just a really smooth playing game in terms of what it's trying to do and how it tells the story. I, it's, it, you know, that, that's what I can't figure out is like, like the, whatever they did to, to, like I said, they're squeezing everything they can out of a PS4. Uh, I've seen this played on PS pro now, by the way, it, it does look a little bit better. Um, it's, yeah. it's not, it, it's certainly not putting anything to shame on a regular P cause I normally play on a regular PS4, but I've seen it on our pro now, um, on the pro bro, like it's, that is some heavy duty stuff on a PS4 Pro. They, it looks just gorgeous. Uh, so, like I said, technically, I, they did not miss much on this game, as far as I can tell. No, it's it's like I said, it's on par to be one of the best games this year, and probably for this um, this console in general. It's just an incredible PS4 exclusive. Um, I, I feel a little bad because I wish more people could experience how good this game is, but it is, you know, it's going to be on PS4 only, but it's just, it's just top tier. Um, I can't wait to, to get through it because from what I've seen so far, I'm, I know I'm only scratching the surface of what this story has to offer and there's so much more I can do. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, to kind of give you perspective, Jay, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to word this in a way that you will understand, but people who have not played the game will not be spoiled by. I've gotten to the part immediately after the first time you get to the lake. Okay. Yeah, that, I got you. That next area right after that. So that's where I'm currently at. Um, it, by the way, the, the lake scene was was badass. Like, holy shit, that was cool. Um, oh, that ain't but shit. It's, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, okay then. <laughs> this this just got a little bit more interesting. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. So I'm, I'm in that next area immediately after that. And already it's kind of like, okay, there's more going on here than than meets the eye. So it's, it, it's going to be really good. I'm looking forward the, to it. We, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I said we'll probably just start recording a little bit more tonight, probably. Yeah, the the thing that is interesting, and, and it, so I'm having this kind of neat sort of time playing it because I, I generally play it when my son can watch, uh, and he's nine, and it's it's it it's very very fascinating mentally for me to to go through this because I'm, I'm you know I'm playing with a kid that's pr- probably a little younger than Atreus is in the game, but. Um, He's asking me a lot of questions, and what I've found is one, he's actually a pretty good little gamer. I mean, he's an, he's an incredible Minecraft player and all this other kind of stuff, but he picks up on stuff on the screen. Like, I'm busy like fighting and I'm throwing axes and stuff, I'm doing all this other stuff. And he's like, You really should look over here and do this thing, which sounds eerily like what Atreus sounds like in the game because he does, because again there's nothing ham handed about anything that they're doing uh, in terms of how they use the AI. The AI. It's truly very useful. And he's all there. He tries to help you out and it's all very organic and he starts doing the same thing. And it's, it's really, it's really kind of eerie, but uh, there are some incredible over the top, like true, like God of War is always known for these, like just, just phenomenal, massive boss fights where you're fighting these, like just Titanic size, you know, characters and stuff like that you definitely get some of that the other thing that i picked up on and and it really came through my, my son's sort of running commentary while we're playing this is you know he was he was expecting to see basically the chris, chris hemsworth 
style Asgard, you know, like the, the MCU Asgard, um, you know, that is definitely not what you get in, in this game. Uh, it is absolutely amazing. Just what they do is astounding. And some of the stuff and the characterizations, they have a lot of these different characters are really, really neat. Uh, but it's really different. And it, it was kind of neat for him to go through and see that like a different take on, on different characters that you, you may be familiar with another, other means. So that alone was actually kind of, kind of cool because you, you think you've got a good idea of what Norse mythology kind of is and what it sounds like and feels like from a lot of different other media properties. But this definitely gives you a whole new take on it. Um, the gameplay itself, the deeper you go, I will say this, it will get really, really, um, cool real fast so you get to this you get to a some level in the game it's kind of different for different people but you get to a point in the game where you have like you talk about power fantasy you're just like you you are absolutely mowing through people kind of like you know in infinity wars there you know there's a big scene with one of thor's fight scenes towards the end in wakanda uh you can do that that kind of shit like you you are just tripping balls through all these like little minion bad guys and just your, your like mythic level uh, like combat. And it all feels really good and it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy. It's, you know, it's not like button masher easy, but just the way you can do it. If you learn how to time things and like how to string some basic combos together. Wow. Phenomenal. And, and like you said, because of the one shot style camera, the flow between story cinematic and uh, and gameplay very seamless. The other thing is interesting here is is the conversation system, and there's not a, in that there is not one. But when you 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 go around in the boat, basically that you'll have multiple places in the um, in the game where you're traveling via canoe effectively with Atreus, and you have. That's where a lot of the character discussion occurs between those two characters as they're if they're passing the time as they're going in between different objectives and stuff like that. And you're steering and driving this boat different places. That's really cool. Um, some of the NPCs – like I have not seen an NPC or a character in the game yet that was not like incredibly well voice acted and, and written. And some of them are, are downright hilarious too, by the way. There's a couple of them that's just – one in particular that is absolutely hilarious. Um, and, and through the conversation options that you had with them, which is basically not really an option, just like you, you can go up to him, you can click circle to interact with him to like buy stuff, or you can click triangle for conversation. The conversation that occurs in there, which Atreus will also be a part of too sometimes, that like all of the character and background stories like go through that in a way that's really, really neat. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff going on in the game. Um, I have not really seen anything that's a, that's a negative yet. Uh, I can tell you, I, what, what difficulty level are you planning on pokey? Uh, just normal for the first playthrough. Yeah, me too. And that's, you know, I, and, and that, that how they've balanced the, the kind of the, the gameplay of those different difficulty levels is really neat because you they have kind of the the easy mode, which is really designed as more of a storytelling, like an interactive storytelling thing. You go through, I mean, you're beating some stuff up. There's, there'll be a couple like really, really big fights that you got to work on pretty hard. 
but by and large, it's more about the story. It's exploring the story. The, the normal mode, I will say this, when you beat like a serious enemy, like you feel good. <laughs> you feel like really good. Like you did some stuff, like you did something. Um, but it, but again, you still have that power fantasy going where you're, where you can really smash through a lot of, a lot of bad guys and stuff. So overall pretty, pretty bomber. You know, one thing I do want to bring up about that real quick is so as you can imagine, Kratos is not quite the man to show his expression on his face. Um, he's pretty much has the same facial expression the whole time, either yelling or completely stoic. I have never seen a game be able to have a character express emotions and feelings through their eyes as well as this game. Like the way that whatever they're doing, the way that he his eyes move and how he, he kind of moves his, his facial muscles there you can tell that they've done a very good job at trying to show emotion in a way for a character who normally wouldn't show emotion and i really got to hand it to their animators that they did a fantastic job with making a character who is not expressive be incredibly expressive under the surface it was very very well done and i, I just noticed that like, his eyes are really like look fantastic and you can really tell what he's thinking just by the expression he's making in that regard and it was very well done yeah that's you know that's a great point because in in every previous god of war entry you there's there's angry kratos and angrier kratos that's that's kind of his thing and uh it's very one-dimensional it's it's not designed as a none of it is designed as character driven uh this uh what's interesting is he uh, the voice actor is the guy that played Tilk from uh, the Star- Stargate. Stargate. Yeah, I knew he sounded familiar. Yeah, okay, it, thank you. He, he saved me. A he headache. does. I yeah, I did not know that, but now I'm like, I, I've heard some clips, oh, and I'm like, okay, now now I get it. Okay, so he's he's extraordinarily good at like what you actually don't get very much of is in this game is angry raging Kratos. There's a couple times where he's yelling at somebody like "get back" or you know, like "get over here" or something like that, but it's nothing, nothing like you got in any of the previous ones. But what's really cool is, like you said, the like the the little minute facial expressions, like how he he'll like these looks on his face, how he'll gesture with his hand, or just these like really small, subtle things, like just transmit like volumes about what's going on with Kratos. But the voice actor. Um, and for his name, it's totally escapes me right now is, is really good. And what he can do with mild inflections of his voice or just trying to change the tone is the tone of his voice during a conversation. It just transmits a lot. Uh, and the character of Kratos and Atreus, they have their own character arcs throughout this and they have their own character progression, so to speak, that, that happens in parallel and they play off each other. And it's really like later in the game, Atreus definitely gets a bit more agency. And he, um, there's a moment where you get this, like that will not spoil like kind of how it happens, but he gets, you get this, like, you know, you know, little kid says something under his breath and like Chris is like, did you say something boy? And he goes, yes, yes, I did. And he turns around and then Kratos' voice changes. Like you can see, like, he's like, I have to change tactics. You know, it's, it's almost like, how do I communicate to my son? 
I, because what I'm doing is not working. And, and it's, it was really neat. It was just really, really neat to watch. So I, like I said, I, I'm not seeing a lot of bad stuff with this game right now. And, and I will say that there are definitely some story twists and turns in here that will, that are, that are pretty solid, like really, really solid. Yeah, I think he nailed the uh, single dad look pretty well. When even I'm going like, "Oh my god, kids, stop asking questions!" And I'm like, the level of patience he's he's showing right now is actually pretty impressive. But you hear it in his voice and in his face. You know, like, the actor is fantastic on that one. So, so 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 well done. But yeah, no, I think uh, give me give me a couple more weeks to kind of finish this one up, um, and then I'll give you a final score on this one. But like I said, it's it's shaping up to be very very high. Um, it's it's a very very good game. Hey, I gotta ask one like quick question, like super sure. fast hit. If you could take the like the AI and this, like how they've done the story, like just not this one, but like just the work that they put into the story and the characters. Name me the first three games that come to your mind that you would like to see Corey Barlog and the team at Santa Monica take on. Doesn't matter what publishers are. What what are three games you you wish they would like? God of War eyes. Ooh, like a continuation of an existing yeah, movie. something like that. Oh, geez, that's a tough one. Um, give me your answer first while I think about it. Real quick. Okay, Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's coming from a place that was in such a good position and got into a bad position. But if they could pull off something like this on that, holy shit! Anything Star Wars? Also true. Yeah. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of games that have like a companion style to it that I that could be better. Cause like I'm first thought was like uh last of us, but AI and that's actually pretty good. Well, so not, not as good. As well, this, I tell you, but... you know, I thought that too. I was thinking like, oh, okay, this is like uh Viking last of us for about the first hour or two. And then I was like, no, no, this is very different. <laughs> nope. Not even close. No, it's no, it's yeah. Um, shit. I've got devil may cry in the brain lately, but I don't, usually that's a solo game. So I'm not really sure that that would, that would mesh well or not. Give me some time. Let me get back to you on that one. I think that's a that's a good question, but I, I I'm pulling a blank right here. Yeah, no problem. That like the other thing that I thought of was um, if you had like an like kind of an old school Batman and Robin game. Uh, yeah, like not not Arkham Knight, not like a Arkham style, but like kind of classic world's greatest detective kind of thing with like a young younger Robin and your your balance and bad guys like that like anything like this. Like, and you could even like upscale the AI, like that's where mass effect came from. Like you could upscale the AI to something like, you know, much more capable or, or you could have like in a you know, twisty turny, you could actually have that, the, you know, the AI character be like the heavy hitter. You know, that's, that's the one that actually is doing a lot of the combat and you've got to do other shit while that's going on. But yeah, I, I was thinking about that, you know, while I was playing this afternoon, if they had done Mass Effect Andromeda, like if you could literally just like clone whatever brain power that they caught lightning in the bottle with and done Mass Effect, this could be phenomenal. The the Star Wars things like the Star Wars single player, you know, campaign that that we never single player game that we've never gotten and they keep threatening us with, which I don't know they'll ever make. I like something like this. Can you imagine like lightsaber combat? with the same same like mechanics that Kratos uses. Holy oh, yeah. shit balls. 
I got one for you. Um, any of the Fallout games with their companion Ooh. system. Now that'd be, or, or be kind of cool. Or Skyrim for that matter. Because, I mean, usually they're they're useful, but ultimately they turn into, hey, can you carry my shit for me? Because you can carry more than I can. Um, but having that level of quality with like a Fallout or a Skyrim style game, I'd be on board for that. Yeah, no, I, I could I could kind of see that. I think uh, I think Skyrim would be, uh, you know, I think that's that's pretty close to the wheelhouse of of this, so to speak, just in terms of like you know fantasy, magicy, slashy stuff. The um, but I, yeah, I could totally see that Fallout. I mean, Fallout might be kind of interesting, you know, in terms of like how you how you have to do stuff. It would definitely the the combat mechanics are just dramatically different, but just having the AI right, component. Right. Um, and and I think that's the other thing. This game really benefits from not being open world. It it is a breath of fresh air yes. to have a just beautifully curated and crafted single player mode that has ample side quests. I mean, there's quite a few. Like you haven't seen them yet, but there's 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 ample side quests. It's not like it's you know it is not Breath of the Wild. It's not like I said in Fallout. Like the entire game is just you could argue is just a series of side quests um, it, because the actual core story is relatively small in those big open world games. It's, it's nothing like that. So I think this game comes off very well because it has that really, really well master crafted single player story. And it has enough other like complementary activity to kind of, to kind of really get done, I, I like uh, the the director Bar, uh, Corey Barlog, Barlog said that if you you can finish the game in about thirty hours, thirty thirty two hours, and if you are a completionist, you can get it done in about like forty three to forty five. Like that means every single little thing that you want to find, every collectible, every hidden room, every whatever, and that's that feels like that's about right because I've done a little bit of the side quest stuff. Which is, you know, that that's what throws me off of the hitting at the, you know, 30, 32 hour mark uh, for total completion. But I think you can, you know, that's that's where this game really shines that that single single because it is a crafted story. You can do a lot with the AI because you can script what you need to do. It doesn't need to be like, wow, do anything anywhere, you know. I think that's the, one of the big advantages now that I kind of think about it. But it's it's kind of cool because the majority of games I've been playing are like everybody wants to do open world. I'm like, no, nah, there's, there's something good about this. Just the, the way this plays, it's really good. For sure. No, it's it's really solid. And then, like I said, we'll touch back on this in a couple of weeks and I'll give a more comprehensive. I may not be done with the game yet, but I think I'll probably be in deep enough to, to give kind of a proper score okay. over what I think of the experience. Sounds so cool. Okay, so one last thing I want to cover real quick. Um, the freebies, if you are a PlayStation Plus uh, subscriber for the month of May, on PS4 you have Beyond Two Souls. This is a really interesting kind of story-driven game. If you're used to games like Heavy Rain, um, that's kind of in that same round, that same, the same wheelhouse. Uh, King Oddball and Raymond Legends. Uh, remember the, the game Raymond from like old PS1 days? They did like a, a new one for PS4. Um, so it's kind of cool. Uh, for PS3, there's Eat Them. I have no idea what that's about. Uh, also, King Oddball and Risen 3 Titan Lords. And for the Vita, there's Furmans and again, King Oddball. So, a bunch of different titles. Um, probably Beyond Two Souls is probably the best one you've got in that list that I can tell, but uh, a few options for PlayStation users for the month of May. 
Xbox uh, is looking good this month too. Oh, what, yeah, what's what's Xbox have? Uh, so we got Super Mega Baseball Two, um, and uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: Phantom Pain for your Xbox One, and then for the 360, it looks like Vanquish and um, what was this other? Vanquish. Oh, uh, yeah, Vanquish, and then is it? What's it? What's it about? Uh, third person action shooter, but it's a lot of like crazy acrobatics where you're like sliding across the ground and doing oh dude that's badass look at the gameplay it's actually pretty yeah. cool um okay. it was underrated when it came out okay that's a that's a 360 game the other one that you're gonna get is um like it's looks like it's a collection of sega games so but, i mean we we got another banger this month with uh with metal gear solid 5 um i i definitely am gonna check out vanquish though now that now that you said that because that sounds pretty cool yeah, it's it's a bit older, but like I said, it was it was better than I think it got credit for back in the day. Sweet. Okay, so that's what we got for this episode. Um, anything else you guys had real quick before we close it out? Take nope. those out. All right, so shout outs. Uh, my shout out is going to go to whoever had the idea to do uh, the Brady Bunch spoof with all the Marvel characters. Ooh, really, good, really good, really good. Hilarious. So it's it's called the Marvel Bunch. Um, it's basically the intro song to the Brady Bunch, but with all of the Avengers. It's hilarious. You should check it out. All right, Zell, what's your shout out? Uh, I'm going to give my shout out to the uh, folks at Hairbrain Schemes. Just this weekend, I got a little bit of time to sit down and uh, try out the Battletech uh, campaign. And so I had a bit of fun with that today or last night. It, well, technically, technically it was today by the time I played it. So <laughs> sounds good. All right. Bait, you're up. Man. Uh, yeah. So uh, this weekend uh, we have the big um, Welcome to Rockville uh, concert series in, in town here in uh, here in Jacksonville. And uh, the, the big lineup um, for the weekend is it's it's Ozzy, uh, Billy Idol and or no, it's Ozzy. Queens of the Stone Age and Foo, and Foo Fighters uh, that, that they were really pushing this year. And uh, I unfortunately didn't get to go see uh, Queens of the Stone Age and Foo Fighters tonight, but I did go and get, get to see uh, Ozzy perform last night, so that was fucking gnarly. Cool. Yeah, dude, it's really fun. Yeah, I've, I've, so that's I had all, uh, saw Queens and, uh, and the Foo's up at the Gorge up in uh, uh, Idaho. It was really awesome. It's like this big open oh, air canyon. It's wicked good. They great. I love Josh Homme. He puts a great concert on for yeah. Queens of Stone Age, and then Foo Fighters is probably my favorite band ever. Yeah, I'm really disappointed. I didn't get to. I didn't get to make it out today, um, or this evening to see to see uh, Foo Fighters and uh, and Queens of Stone Age play. But I, I, I've heard it was good. Um, I have a couple of friends who are there right now who's, who are telling me that the Foo Fighters are put on a great show. Sounds good. All right, Jay, do you have anything? Uh, sure. Uh, I'd like to give a, a big shout out to Corey Barlog and the team over at Santa Monica. This is like, it's probably one of the coolest gaming experiences I've had in a while with God of War. And I kind of, uh, I kind of talked a little bit about it. What's one of the things that's making it particularly cool for me is, uh, I'm, I'm playing in basically, uh, you know, I watch my playtime so that my son can be there to help me and watch with me, which is kind of neat because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 42, he's nine and there's a little like, I would need to do it like a round of roids or two to to get into the Kratos size, but it's really kind of fun, you know, like playing with him and him like helping me and, you know, whether I need it or not, or want it or not sometimes. And his motor is nonstop. Uh, and if he's 
and if he's not talking about what he sees on the screen with God of War, he's asking me about have I checked out the latest mod in Minecraft, um, which gets really interesting while you're trying to like battle like uh, you know Norse trolls and stuff like that. But that that whole experience has been really good for me. Uh, it's been really fun and very emotionally memorable. Uh, so hats off to the to the team uh, up at Santa Monica for putting that game together. All right. Thanks, Ben. Sounds good. And yeah, we got a lot of stuff to play. I'm looking forward to kind of talking more in depth with probably some some actual spoilers, but I think it's a little too soon for that, but we'll get there. But that being said, guys, you know, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your your listening and your comments, of course. And if you have any ideas you want us to talk about on the show, games you want us to play, do let us know biomass.com and if you want to be on the show do let us know we're always looking to have guests and interesting people to talk to even if you think you're not well suited for the podcast realm just look at the rest of us and i don't know why you would think that because we're all still here so uh let us know we would be more than happy to kind of set something up if you're interested but that being said thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week